What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. DNA with you, Monty Williams in the house this morning. Bucky's out this morning and tomorrow morning. He'll return on Wednesday. And Ty is here as well. We're talking John Rahm and a Masters championship. He is the uh, Master Golfer of the Year after 72 holes at Augusta. Played 30 of them yesterday from sunup to sundown, as uh, Jim Nance called it on uh, CBS yesterday, the Marathon Masters. And it was just that. And he played those 30 holes in three under. uh, Started four shots back when it all began early yesterday morning and finished with a four-stroke win over Phil Mickelson, who came like a freight train down the back nine. Uh, Shot 31 on the back, 65 for the day. And he is uh, uh, in second place, finishes tied with Brooks Kepka, who I won't say collapsed, but he did not play well in the final 18 holes. He shot 75 uh, after being the best golfer there for three days. I mean, he was locked in. Uh, he did not play well yesterday, and the par threes were particularly problematic for him. Uh, bogey two par threes on the front, you know, two of his three front nine bogeys, and then uh, bogey 12, of course, through amen corner. Didn't go in the water, just pulled it left, and and his chip was no good. It was just it was kind of a mess. So we made four on three of the threes, which is not good. And uh, meanwhile, John Ron was just locked in and uh, looked comfortable. I like when he was eating the sandwich. He was just walking, eating this, eating a sandwich, yeah. and doing his thing. He was, uh, you know, he's he was number one until Scotty Scheffler retook number one, and I think those two will go back and forth because Scotty's already had a great year. He didn't putt well this weekend in Augusta, but he'll get that figured out. Those are the two best players in the world right now. Yeah, I was glad to see Spieth do real well too. Yeah, sixty-six yesterday finishes ties for third with a couple others. You know, there's the whole live d- debate there. You know, three of the top five were live golfers with Patrick Reed's nice final round. So that conversation will be ongoing. Texas baseball with a nice win yesterday. They win at 8-2. to two. I know Craig will have more on that coming up. Longhorns in action tonight down in San Marcos. I will just say, if you're going to go to that game or you're just planning to try to get a ticket, be, think ahead because uh, I've been told there are no, no tickets, tickets available for Texas and Texas State tonight. I think they only seat 3,500 down there, or you know, 3,500 3, or so. They'll pack it in. I'm going to try to get down there and see that game with my buddy Ty Harrington and uh, my friend Travis Tindall from Hayes City Store. We're going to get out there and see this game tonight. And uh, looking forward to it. That'll be this evening at 6 o'clock. And if you can't go to that one, you can go to the one the next night. Yeah, I think you Boston. probably can get a ticket to that. But, you know, the same kind of thing. The, yeah. Twice as, more more than twice as many seats for and Dishwalk Field. This is the one Twi- scenario where I root against Texas. Because Ty, Ty, Ty Henderson is a... Lived on West Campus, but was going to Texas State. He was commuting. Boy. Living the best of both worlds. You know what we call that? An imposter. Yeah. <laughs> I knew people who I went to St. Edwards with who were who rushed fraternities at St. Ed's. They would let them, the, the fraternity would let them rush if they were intending on coming to UT at some point, which a couple of my good buddies did. Yeah, one of my best friends. Intended? Convinced uh, for one of the better fraternities at Texas that he was going to get in, that, which we all knew. He never well, did. Well, now he graduated from St. Ed's. So. <laughs> there you go. That's go goats, go goats. Uh, My son's looking at going to St. Ed's for graduate school. Well, that'll be expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go, state schools. <laughs> Pony up. 
that actually came up this weekend. My daughter is going to graduate North Texas next December, semester early. Uh, the, the the brains in the bunch. She uh, she's trying to get into to, to a graduate school and a master's program. And I'll say this to brag on my daughter: she's never made a B, ever. Uh, so she's president's list every year, every semester. She's like, well, what if I don't get into North North Texas, Dad? That's where I want. I'm like. I think you'll probably get in. I, I think, think you're I probably think, good. Yeah. I think you're good. You go there, you're going to graduate in three and a half years. I think you're probably good. But, and then somebody said, well, what about St. Ed's? Oh, I think my mom did. Like, mom, <laughs> back out of this conversation. <laughs> it ain't cheap. <laughs> we ain't doing that. Uh, can I Quiet ask, in the gallery. Can I ask what's her major? Uh, psychology. Ah. Psychology, yes. Psychology. Uh, okay, so we're going to talk to Mike Renner here coming up. Interesting. Cowboys and Texans. NFL draft is a week. Two weeks from Thursday, and we're counting down the days. This looks to be one of the more intriguing drafts that we've seen in a while. To me, just because there's so many question marks, Cowboys, and of course for Longhorns, the Longhorns are going to have their first offensive player drafted in the first round since Vince Young. It's been that long since the Longhorns have had an offensive player drafted in the first round. And much like when Vince came out, he was going to be a high pick. The question is how high Bijan goes uh, is a big question. Uh, And that's a big debate. I just saw... Uh, over at ESPN, uh, who is the, somebody just dropped an article about he's you know he might be the best player, but financially it still doesn't make sense to draft a running back. So those are the debates. Plus the Texans have two picks in the first twelve, three in the first thirty-three. The Cowboys have pick twenty-six, and there's a lot to discuss. So let's go to the man in the know. Always when we talk NFL draft, we love going to uh, the Vaqueros hotline and talking to Mike Renner, the lead draft analyst at Pro Football Focus, which is a must-have website for folks who love football. Uh, he is Mike Renner. Mike, good morning. Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you doing it. Are you uh, are you getting uh, eager and, and excited about what's coming in two weeks? I mean, we're counting down the days to uh, one of the more intriguing drafts we've seen in a while. I am. It's my favorite time of the year. And like you said, I think this draft's interesting because the quarterbacks are still so much up in the air at this point. Yeah, let's start with that because uh, the Texans have the second pick and they're going to likely take a quarterback. There's been some reporting that if Bryce Young is gone at one, that uh, maybe they'd come off of that decision. But uh, give me your thoughts on on the quarterbacks. Bryce, let's start with Bryce and C.J. Stroud. Uh, they're the number one and two quarterbacks. The next two, Levis and Richardson, a little bit more projects. What are your what are your grades on those two quarterbacks, and which one do you think fits the Texans best? Yeah, I have Bryce Young as the top quarterback in this class, and by you know some margin, like I think if you are drafting one, that's the guy you want. I think he's just special. His playmaking ability is, you know, really unlike any of the prospects we've seen in recent years in terms of how he can create on his own. Um, so he's one. Uh, I, I'd put him kind of in his own tier. Like I said, that's the guy you want in this class. Then the, all the other ones kind of have their issues in some way, shape, or form, their worries, their concerns. Um, but I don't think all are very much worthy of the high-end pick because they all have high-end tools and high-end traits, and, like, you see it on tape at times. Um, so – Stroud, I think, is going to be the number one overall pick. Like, I, I heard what Josh McCown said at his Ohio State Pro Day. Like, I, I don't think he would say, hey, we'll do it when you get to Carolina without saying, <laughs> without knowing that that's going to be the pick. But uh, we'll see what happens, you know, come late April. Well, obviously, in the state of Texas, and if you're a Texans fan, that would be a gift because if the first overall quarterback in the uh, for a lot of people, I just saw Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network had you know Bryce is the number one player period in the draft, number one prospect. That would be quite quite the gift to have him still there at two. I think it would be, um, 
I think that's also why maybe you're seeing these reports of whether it was Chris Morton's on ESPN saying, uh, no, it's actually Bryce Young that's the guy, even though all the tea leaves have been saying C.J. Stroud, uh, it actually might be Bryce Young that's the guy at number one overall. So, uh, obviously, I, I don't know what the Panthers necessarily have to do with, uh, you know, hiding it at this point. Like, they have the number one pick. They're going to draft someone. That I'm sure they know. Like, you can come out and say it, but we go through this song and dance seemingly every single year. Yeah, well, maybe to get the Texans maybe give up a pick to come get him or something, just to, to force the hand and then still take your guy at two uh, could be interesting. Uh, if the Texans end up with Stroud, let's say the, the Carolina Panthers pull a pull a surprise and take Bryce, uh, you saw him closely through at his Ohio State days, some great games, but also some some questionable tape at times. What what would be the biggest concerns for Texans fans if C.J. Stroud is the quarterback? Uh, I think it's the fact that he just hasn't played behind. Uh, he hasn't played under pressure much at all. And when he did, it wasn't great. I think that Georgia game really, you know, at the end of the year, saved his draft stock to a degree because if he didn't have that game, he would have had a year of just pure bad tape under pressure with really not much in the way of playmaking ability to speak of. And obviously that game, he looked like a completely different guy. And it was against the best team he faced all season. So you're going to put more stock into that and what he's capable of. But I do worry about those inconsistencies. I worry about kind of the robotic nature with which he plays the position that can lead to, you know, a lot of hospital balls on his tape, a lot of throwing into windows that maybe he thought were going to be there that then weren't. Um, So I think those are the worries uh, with a guy like C.J. Stroud coming out that, you know, just make you feel a little less confident than, say, a Bryce Young. Uh, let's stay on the Texans while we're talking top of the draft because they have the 12th pick. I think it's kind of thought that the Texans, will, if they can get quarterback with that first pick, you know, they, they have the, the highest paid left tackle in the league in Laramie Tunsil. They had they drafted the corner, Derek Stingley, uh, high last year at the top you know, of the draft. And so, you know, the premium positions, corner, tackle, quarterback, and then you need a pass rusher. Do you think the Texans at 12 are looking pass rush? And if they are, who are the best guys that might be available with that, that second top 12 pick? Yeah, I think that's the dream for them. I think you're hoping someone like Lucas Van Ness from Iowa or Nolan Smith from Georgia falls to you there. Even, you know, it might be a little early, but even like a Miles Murphy from Clemson, all three of those guys are just super high-end athletes that, you know, at that position, pass rusher, you don't find high-end athletes outside the first round. The NFL knows what translates there. It's the big, explosive dudes, and they go top 10, 20 for a reason. And so – uh, it's not really a position you can afford to wait on too often uh, to really hit an impact player at that position. Yeah, to get a quarterback and then the rusher would be huge for Houston. They also have the top pick, or one of the top picks in the second round at 33. Uh, as for the Cowboys, they're at 26, which is, you know, like we keep talking about, it's kind of like purgatory. Like the, the, the best guys at, at the top, those premium positions may be off the board by the time they draft. If one slides, they could jump. But obviously here in the Lone Star State, a lot of people would like to see the Cowboys take Bijan Robinson. Let's tie those two together for one question. Will Bijan, you think Bijan, any chance Bijan slides to 26? And would the Cowboys take him? I think there is a chance. I think front offices are just getting more on board with kind of the thinking behind why you pass on running backs in the first round. It's not because Bijan isn't an awesome player. It's because there's a lot of awesome players that are running back. It's because the difference between Bijan and, say, Zach Charbonnet, who you'll be able to get two rounds later probably in this draft, isn't a ton. And in the NFL nowadays, you also just don't want to be running the football, right? You, you want to be doing everything you can. You look at the AFC uh, or even the NFC, you want to be doing everything you can. Unless you have like a mobile quarterback, you want to be doing everything you can to 
give your quarterback weapons in the passing game. And so the more you're dictating and putting resources into running back, the more it's just going to change calculus and make you run the football more, which just truthfully isn't winning around the NFL unless, again, you have a running quarterback who can really take your offense to that next level with the option game. So uh, I think that's the thinking. And I think he could fall to that point in the draft because of that and because it is a super deep running back class because there are options later on. Um, For the Cowboys and how much they run and what they want to do offensively, I do think at that point it definitely makes sense for them to pull the trigger on a talent like Bichon. Is there an argument to be made, though, that Bijan can help a passing offense? The guy just has spectacular hands, better hands than I've seen on a running back in a long time. I think there is, but I also think, like, you you really don't – the way running backs are utilized in the passing game is kind of the least valuable of any position that you're targeting. And th- targets to running backs are the least valuable targets of any position. Tight ends have a higher EPA, wide receivers have a higher EPA outside or the slot. Uh, just, you know, getting your eye, like having your quarterback want to throw checkdowns is not usually a good thing. So there's like a number of reasons why you don't necessarily, but obviously that's kind of assuming that you don't have a creative play caller who's going to get him involved as maybe just a wide receiver who's maybe going to throw him out there in the slot and let him go to work. So uh, I do think he has value in that regard for sure. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey kind of thing. Sometimes even Alvin Kamara at his peak with the, the, the Saints has been a comparison with Bijan uh, as just a top overall player. Uh, so, yeah, running back and the finances of it and this, the way the league is going, interesting for Bijan. Also interesting to me, and not my producer and I have had, had arguments about the tight ends because I keep look, talking about the Cowboys maybe looking at a tight end because, you know, they lost Dalton Schultz and uh, Mike McCarthy wants to run the ball. And this is uh, you've been doing this a long time, Mike. How Compared to other drafts, how good is this tight end class versus others this is yeah I and mean, it's at least the best one in five five years 2018 class was pretty awesome it had a few first rounders and then a few later guys who ended up being good players and john U. smith george kittle obviously so i think it's it's close to that class if not better uh and i think you'll see that come draft day where tight ends you know i think last three drafts Kyle pitts the only one who's gone the first round at tight end and you'll see i believe at least two i think dolan kincaid from utah and Michael Mayer from Notre Dame come off the board. But it's even after that, I think there's five more guys I have day two grades on, which is just rare. Like it's, again, it's not a valuable position. There's not a lot of difference makers at tight end. This class has some guys that actually could be this year. Yeah, Dalton Kincaid's interesting. Give me, give me we, we saw Darnell Washington playing at uh, Georgia. He's just a big dude that can run and looks like a weapon. Uh, we know Michael Mayer saw him star for three years as one of the best players on that Notre Dame team. Dalton Kincaid's interesting because I've seen him in the top 15 in some drafts for some people. What is What makes him special? Hey, he's got the best ball skills of any tight end prospect I've seen, truthfully. Uh, he dropped, I believe, two passes his entire career on like 128 catchable attempts. So he, he has not coughed up a lot of balls. He, he's uh, very dynamic in his route running ability. Uh, he's kind of got that loose, just kind of the way Travis Kelsey looks where maybe he's not the fastest or the most explosive, but he just stops, starts, and gets out of breaks so easily that uh, I just think his floor is so high as a receiver. And, and, and you saw it this past year. I mean, he led all college football. Uh, all tight ends in college football with 890 receiving yards. Uh, he's just—he's a guy you could feature in your offense. 
Yeah, you see a lot of teams looking at him and then running back Bijan in that conversation, too. What about some of the other Longhorns, Mike? Mike Renner is with us, the lead draft analyst, pro football focus. The NFL draft round one is two weeks from this Thursday. Uh, you know, the, the other Longhorns likely to be second and third day picks. What about Roshan Johnson? Uh, I mean, we saw him here as a backup running back, former quarterback, really become the, the leader of the team. He's got the athletic ability, but he's also one of the – he's just a guy you want in your locker room. What do you make of uh, Roshan? Yeah, he's got a skill set that I, I think is going to go a lot higher than maybe the general public realizes at this point because it, it's a small running back class. For as much as it's a good running back class, I think there's only a handful of guys who will even get drafted who are over 220 pounds. And Johnson's one of them, and, and Johnson's the best one. You know, he is the best big back in this class. And as much as, you know, the small backs look awesome in college, size still matters once you get to the NFL and they still get coveted more highly than the little guys. So he's going to be a top 10 running back off the board. I feel pretty confident in that and could even sneak his way into day two um, with just how good he is and how good he was on a limited basis. The scouts don't really care, as we saw when Josh Jacobs went in the first round. They don't really care if you're a bell cow in college. They care if you can be in the pros, and he definitely can be in the pros. So uh, I think Roshan Johnson's a guy who, again, probably going to be a top 100 picker. What about DeMarvion Overshone? He's a guy I haven't heard a lot about. Um, you know, he's a guy who came in as a safety, but a big safety at a, from a small high school. And then at Texas, he played in the defensive backfield and was just a kind of a striker. So they moved into to kind of that, uh, that, that linebacker position where he kind of excelled, especially as a junior. And again, this year, what's, is there a position or, or what do you see for, for DeMarvion Overshone? Yeah, I think you'll get help by the fact that it's a weak linebacker class, but you still see a guy who's a little sloppy on tape who's probably just a weak side linebacker only. Uh, but in that role, I mean, you really can buy into the improvement he's made because real early in his career, I mean, he, he did not look like he belonged to linebacker, right? Like he was a fish out of water. And then this past year, you saw it kind of the light switch start to turn on. You see him making plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage uh, against the run and really starting to play fast and up to those athletic traits. So, um, like I said, in this week linebacker class, that could push him up boards, but I think he's right on the cusp of day two, early day three at this point because uh, people are buying into that coverage prowess and the athleticism that uh, not a lot of guys in this class have. In a, in a league of going more and more positionless football, too, you can move him around a little bit as he develops in your system, and uh, he'll strike you, too. He doesn't. He likes to hit people, which is still something you need to be able to do uh, at the National Football League level. Remember, round one Thursday night, then so when you say day two, that's second and third, and then, of course, day three, would be rounds uh, four through seven uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. What about the two defensive tackles from Texas? They're different players. Coburn, uh, kind of the plugger, and then Moro Ojimo, uh, a little more athletic, under 300 pounds. Both had really good senior years. Yeah, I think Ojimo's a guy who could be a late riser in this process because, one, he tested well and bigger than I thought he'd be. You know, he came in around 290, I think, at his pro day, uh, tested really well in the jumps and whatnot, and, and – the thing about him is he's a fifth-year guy, but he's still only 21 years old. And age definitely matters at a position like defensive tackle where the physical sort of bar to play that position is so high. And, you know, And so a guy who uh, you can almost excuse the fact that at 20 years old, 19 years old, he really didn't look uh, like an impact player because you just have to get to that level of physicality to even come close to making an impact. So – uh, he's a guy who the rise is really easy to buy into, maybe a little linear, maybe a little straight line, but, man, the length and his explosiveness, I, I think he can be an impact run defender, a versatile run defender at the next level. So I, I'd expect him 
to be maybe a guy who comes off a little bit earlier than where he's getting mocked or where, how he's getting talked about right now. Coburn, I still think, comes with kind of the knocks that a lot of nose tackles come with, which is, you know, runs a little hot and cold. One game he'll look like a first-rounder. Next game he'll look like, you know, a day-three undraftable kind of guy, uh, which is unfortunate for him um, because I think the talent is there. But like I said, you, you just – NFL wants consistency, needs consistency, especially in run defense, and he's just a little too boomer busty. Uh, on a snap-to-snap basis right now. Boomer busty, I like that. Mike Renner, lead draft analyst, pro football focus. Back to the quarterbacks. Uh, appreciate the thoughts on the Texas guys. Uh, pretty, uh, Really good thumbnail there. Uh, so if it's Stroud and Bryce Young off the top, which is pretty much for everybody, the others are, are Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, and then the name Hendon Hooker has been thrown around a lot here in recent days and weeks uh, coming out of Tennessee off the injury. How do you, how do you grade those guys, and how do you think they, they fit NFL teams right now? Yeah, so I have I have it Levis and then Richardson. Um, I think Levis is a guy who you know he's gotten the knock where it's like, oh, you want to sit him, develop him, whatnot. I think he's more NFL ready than he's been given credit for. I do think he just has a little bit of an he just has an accuracy problem. I almost said a little bit. It's a pretty big accuracy problem, but that to me is it. Like he plays from tight pockets really well. He had the most yards passing under pressure of anyone outside of Max Duggan in college football last year. Um, and they didn't even pass that much at Kentucky. They just he was under that much pressure. So I think he'll he's a guy who will look better, and the situation will almost be better once he gets to the NFL. Richardson's the ultimate wild card. I mean, everyone you talk to pretty much has the same opinion on him. It's like yeah, there's there's a good deal to fix there, and it's kind of scary uh, if it will ever get fixed. But my lord, the athlete is such that you just take the chance because of if it does get fixed, what he looks like at the next level is a Terminator. I mean, he looks like Josh Allen at the next level when he's on. So uh, I think that's why you're getting the hype on him. And then Hooker is interesting because, you know, a lot of the evals of just pure tape, what he did on field last year, you're putting him close to that conversation of the top guys. I still think he's a little bit behind. I think that offense was making things a little easy on him and has some flaws in his game that I still worry about. But then there are, like, massive knocks on him that he's 25 years old, he's coming off a torn ACL, and the Tennessee offense is gimmicky. Like, it is not how he'll play quarterback at the next level. There's just – it's too different. It's too much of a learning curve. It's the same knocks that Sam Howell was getting last year and why he fell to the fifth round because of just that offense has nothing really translatable to it. So, love the, love the talent, love the athlete, but I don't see how you can draft him in the first round with all those knocks against him at this point. Uh, Mike Renner. Real quick, Mike, while we have you, maybe our last visit before the draft. If not, we can grab you one more time. But uh, the, the other area schools, how about Texas A&M? I know Devin A. Chain's a guy people like, and they've got some guys in their secondary. Uh, who are a couple of the guys you like off that Aggies roster? Yeah, A. Chain's, uh, I think he's going to be possibly sneak into the second round, at worst Ooh. a third-round pick, just because 4-3-2 at running back. I don't care if you're 188 pounds. It doesn't last long. And, and Compared to like other small backs that are, you know, because 188 probably about the smallest full-time back you'll see at the NFL level. You, you really don't see guys in that range. But he runs hard. You know, he's not, he's not the 188-pounder that's only trying to make you miss, that's always trying to avoid contact. He'll put his nose down uh, and try to, try to finish a run between the tackles. So I, I'm a big fan of his game. I think he's probably a top four running back in this draft class for me. Um, and think he'll be reflected as such in the NFL. After that, Sex A&M, I mean, Jalen Jones will probably get drafted. 
uh, I mean, will get drafted. I'm not sure exactly when. Probably back end of day two, early day three. He just great tape as a cornerback, but really limited as an athlete. You saw that as pro day. Antonio Johnson's the other one who will get drafted from A&M. Safety slash, I mean, he played the slot at Texas A&M. Uh, I think he just plays the slot at the next level. That, that's a position where you're looking for bigger body types. You're looking for more guys who can bridge that gap between linebacker and safety, and I think Johnson's that guy. So I think he's firmly probably a middle of day two uh, type of corner yeah, slash safety. Uh, Mike Renner. And last thing, how about uh, TCU? They had to run to the national title game, and you mentioned Max Duggan. Um, the, 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 the receiver, Quentin Johnston, the running back, Kendra Miller, they'll, the Steve Avila at guard, they'll, they'll have a pretty good draft haul coming out of Fort Worth, I have to believe. I, I think all those guys are gone by the end of day two. I think Avila's he's in play to be the first guard off the board. I, I, watching his tape, whether it was at center a couple of years ago, whether it's at guard, I mean, he – is explosive off the line of scrimmage and really good with his hands and pass protection. So I think he comes off the board in the top 50. Quinn Johnson's like the most polarizing wide receiver in this draft class. Um, I still have him as the top two receiver in this class. Um, some people don't even have him as top five receiver in this class. He's just like very up and down, but an explosive, explosive athlete with massive wingspan. I, I'm betting on traits like that. I, and I think Kendrick Miller is like the most slept on running back in this class. I'm as a top 100 player. Um, you watch his tape and the creativity he runs with. Like, he was a big reason they went to the national championship game. He's a big reason why, like, Zach Evans, a five-star running back, transferred out of TCU, you know, and couldn't couldn't see the field there because Kendra was going to take his job. So uh, I'm a big fan of the, that trio. And I'd also throw in Travis Hodges Tomlinson. Uh, now goes by Trey Tomlinson, I think he said. The cornerback, he's tiny. I think he's the smallest, going to be the smallest corner drafted in, like, 15 years. But he is awesome, this guy. I mean, he – he plays with his hair on fire every single snap. I'm excited to see where he lands because his tape at TCU is awesome to watch. He certainly is. He's a pit bull, man. Just uh, he will fight you. He's, he, of course, Ladanian Tomlinson's is what his cousin or related, and he, he plays a, he plays a, like a mean brand of football. Hey, Mike, thanks so much. Great thumbnail, great conversation. Looking forward to the draft, and always love your coverage and everything y'all do at PFF. For sure. Thanks so much for having me. Mike Very Renner. Good. Mike Renner is the lead draft analyst at Pro Football Focus. That's good right there. You just learned a lot. Yeah. I, I wanted to circle back a little bit on the, the uh, frog quarterback, Duggan. Yeah. Well, we'll get Mike back before when you hopefully you can listen. Good buddy, but I, he said he'll be gone by, you know, yeah. end of day two. We will be back when we do. We'll reset some of those conversations. Interesting on Moro Ojimo that he's only, remember, Moro got here when he was 16 out of Katy High School. <laughs> he's only 21 now. Uh, that's an amazing stat. And uh, Bijan could be, could be a Dallas Cowboy, he says. Interesting. We'll come back, B&E on the horn. It's Bucky and Aaron. Rolling on on a Monday. Of course, uh, top of the hour, we'll hand the baton to light the tower. Craig and Jeff and the crew. They'll recap the weekend. Craig, of course, was calling games. It was good to see his uh, post with his grandkids there at the ballpark yesterday when the Longhorns were beating K-State 8-2. to Yeah. You know, we talk about the Longhorns having five games in a row, but so does Craig. So does Craig. Craig's the hardest-working man in radio right no there. No question. Craig will be on the call of Light the Tower today at uh, 10 o'clock, and then he's going to call the game tonight in San Marcos. And I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at the game tonight. I'm going to make my way down. Always love getting down there and, uh, of course, down the right field line. If you know the right people, and I happen to know Ty Harrington, who was 20 years the coach there, helped build that ballpark, uh, there's a caboose 
an old train caboose on the down the right field line, Monty, past the bleachers, and they sent it. They built like a patio deck around it, and so you can stand out there and watch the game and have refreshments inside the caboose. And the caboose is cool. It's got it's just like a almost like a luxury box, but it's just a old train caboose. And you and you rent it? No, no. You got to know the guy that owns it. Oh, you got to. You can get you. up there. I got you. Get to sit up there, and so that's where I'll try to sneak my way onto that caboose. No, you don't. Have, you don't have to use the verbs. Got to be paying attention though, because you can get a hot foul ball down the right field line. Ah. There. oh yeah, gin music will be rolling in if you're not paying attention, because <laughs> you're uh, out die. It's it's right there. So we're looking forward to that tonight, and then of course the Longhorns will play Texas State again at the Dish on Tuesday night. So five straight games for the Longhorns, and yes, indeed, Craig Way. With five straight games. It's a good, bad, and ugly Monday. We've been at it since 6 a.m. Appreciate Monty being here. That's always good to have you in. When Bucky will return on Wednesday. Speaking of Ty Harrington, he'll be in tomorrow morning. So we'll have Ty with us to talk some baseball and golf and everything going on, plus what goes on at San Marcos tonight. I will say I really enjoy Craig and Ty together. Aren't they good? a baseball game. It's really good. I know. It's really good. I mean, I, 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 we, I, you got to pinch yourself when, when Greg Swindell and Keith Moreland are doing the games on LHN. You just oh, learn yeah. so darn much from. No, there's a lot of <laughs> broadcasting oh, talent around the baseball geez, team. And then Ty with, I, I, I text Ty sometimes when I'm listening. I go, man, because I've listened to the, I'm sure you have two Monty Jurassic Monty. Ty Henderson, our producer, probably not. But I listened to, you know, play-by-play baseball my whole life. I mean, I grew oh, yeah. up listening to, so really, when I fell in love with sports radio, I was listening to the ball game and then listening to the call-in talk show afterwards. I remember when Jack Buck and Harry Carey were on the same broadcast. They well, were a team. And so you, I just think Ty does such a, I mean, Craig's Craig. Craig's the best. But Ty's cadence and his, just his yeah. insights. And he's, he's watching the game. He's talking to you like he's managing for 20 years, right? He's 25 years a manager. He's, he's just bringing you what the pitcher's thinking, what the hitter's thinking, what the manager's probably thinking right now. Coach Harrington says stuff that that I constantly find myself going, well, of course. Yeah, that You know, it's just this, duh. of course. I didn't think of that. Yeah, that'll be, uh, I don't know who's on the call tonight with Craig, but they'll let you know coming up because, of course, they rotate some people in there. And Ty, they'll probably want to be hanging out with me, watching the game. But we'll see. Um, Ty's probably calling one of them because he calls games for Texas State, too, when he's not calling games for Texas. And that's just how he operates. He is a lifetime Longhorn by Player and coach, but then coached at Texas State for 20 years. He'll be with us tomorrow. Uh, also on the good side of things, John Rahm is your Masters champion. Played great yesterday, 30 holes he had to play, he along with Brooks Kepka and the rest of the field. By the way, he wasn't real happy with the group in front of them. They, they were playing pretty slow. That was Patrick Cantlay, and uh, who was the other guy playing with Cantlay yesterday? I mean, that was... Is that Hovland? Yeah, yeah, I think I was it was going to say Hovland. he has a V in his name. Victor Hovland. Can, yeah. we, can we go, y'all? What are we doing up here? <laughs> Jeez. You got uh, John Rahm eating ham sandwiches, waiting to hit the ball. Let's get this thing going, all. Uh, put him on the clock. But uh, golf was great over the weekend. The uh, I saw also thought the uh, uh, the basketball at the Irwin Center, no, Moody Center was great to see sellout crowds of sixteen thousand. I didn't know how that was going to go. Ty, were you surprised that it was packed to the gills for Texas for the Spurs two games? Um, I mean, I didn't watch any of those two games because. You know the Spurs are playing, and it's not very <laughs> fun basketball to watch. But I, I saw some the the pregame intros, and it looked really really cool and like a, a really nice atmosphere. Yeah, Greg Popovich even commented about it. Man, this place is loud because they had the sixteen thousand right. They took the garage doors down and they they packed that place, and that was pretty cool to see. I enjoyed that. And how many does the 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 Spurs home arena hold usually? More than that, uh, like twenty something. No, twenty something. The AT and T Center. I think so, right? Or well, somebody will tell me. I was going to say like I was going like, to say like low twenties. I was thinking. Oh, yeah. I was going to say eighteen, nineteen. Somebody we'll will look at us now. But yeah, that happened over the weekend. Austin FC thinking of the bad of the weekend. How about them? They're off to another nineteen thousand. No, 19. nineteen. Okay, so right between us. But I was thinking low twenties. But yeah, that makes sense. 
Uh, of course, they used to play there at the Dome, didn't they, for a while? Yeah. Ooh, oh, geez. gosh. Jeez. Uh, but, yes, the uh, the Austin FC, rough game, uh, rough match on Saturday. They lost at LAFC. It was billed as the rematch of last year's Western Conference Finals, but it Austin FC not playing to that level. LAFC still is. It was 3-0. I think the shots on goal were like 26-10. to uh, Austin FC is not playing good good soccer right now, so we'll keep an eye on that. It's early yet, but... You know, they're not playing good. And it's been a pretty extended stretch of not playing good for Josh Wolf. So that is out there. I know Glenn Davis will be a part of Soccer Matters coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. He'll have the very latest on that and the struggles of Austin FC. And we also have Odell Beckham Jr. signing a one-year deal with the Baltimore Ravens. That came down as I was coming in this morning. That's that's a lot of money, $18 million, 15 guaranteed for Beckham. Uh, I have to think that they're trying to somewhat make amends with Lamar Jackson and, and send some sort of message to him. I don't know if that does it for me if I'm Lamar Jackson. No. Well, it's better than you, you had if he's healthy. Because, again, I just remember it was a mess in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. They hated each other, that whole thing. But when he got to L.A., he was great. I mean, he was great with the Rams. I mean, he got Cooper Cup on the other side of him, which helps a lot because he's the best receiver in football. But, um, you know, it was – I think Jackson wants his contract, and anything less than that, he'll just think of as being this transparent move to try and get out of paying him his contract. Yeah. That's that's what I think, and that's why he's making a mistake to be his own agent. One hundred percent. And you've yeah. had agents your whole career in the screenwriting built, you know, business. It's it's everything you, you just, just don't said. Want, you don't want to be in those conversations. Well, and you don't have anybody selling you. <laughs> that's the number one thing. I mean, for, yeah. for Lamar Jackson, I get Well, we it. didn't either, quite frankly, with our agents. He's, so. he's got that traveling salesman. Doing I almost too. get the idea of being your own agent for your rookie contract. Like, I really do, because the rookie deals are pretty slotted, right? Yeah. When you're drafted, yeah. there's a number. Okay, let's make sure we got enough guaranteed money. Let's put the protections in. You can run that by. I wouldn't be in favor of that because you got to learn how to deal with an agent anyway. It's time to yeah. you know be. be I, I'm a just saying, professional. I, I agree with you, but I can almost understand it. Okay, but what I don't get at, at this point because the, you know all you hear is the the Ravens side of this because the Ravens are leaking information to the media that's getting put out there about the guaranteed contract and he wouldn't play hurt at the end of the year. And Lamar doesn't have an advocate. He doesn't have anybody talking to these teams saying what an agent would say. What, that's not true. That's you're they're you're being they're they're you know he's he he'll put out a tweet every now and again. He wanted to do a YouTube interview of himself. I mean, he just doesn't have someone selling him, and he he can't get in an accurate, dispassionate conversation about his own skills it's impossible for any player to do that you know an agent really can sit back and go i understand point well taken when it's fourth and sixth you know fourth and sixth, and they gotta have it he may be not as effective as other quarterbacks you know a player would never say anything like that you've you've got to be able i think it's a mistake not to have an agent i think the general public's still on his side and most like sports talking heads out there. I, I just think I'm to the point where it's going to come down after the draft because the teams that are going to want to talk to him, and I think the Colts, I mean, what happens if the Colts don't get the quarterback they want at the fourth pick? The Colts double oh. back, and, the, and then you're talking about next year's draft capital, and that's important because a team like the Colts doesn't want to give up the fourth pick and have to pay you know, fourth this year and the next year's number one to get Lamar. But after you've taken the fourth pick and maybe taken a great player, uh, defensive player, another position, you can start talking to Lamar Jackson because that doesn't end when the draft's over in three weeks, in two and a half weeks. So 
that that team, I think New England is a team that that after this this draft could could get involved if, if their quarterback situation doesn't get better. Washington, once the sale is done, uh, you know, and, and handed off to the new ownership, could be involved. But again, I think the Ravens hope to keep them, but they got to do some work. And you're right about Lamar and the agent. Hey, quick note: there is no soccer show tonight. My apologies. We have a baseball game tonight. Duh, Texas and Texas State at six o'clock tonight. Keith and, Moreland's uh, going to be Keith doing Moreland it. will be on the ball. Game I've tonight. always wanted to meet Keith Moreland. I used to watch him on TV all the time. Are we <laughs> sure that? Baseball game isn't on the, one of the other frequencies. Because uh, I have received audio for the soccer show tonight. Oh, well, might want to check on that. I'll we'll, ask Craig during the break. We'll do that. You own a hey, fast we come network. back. We're way late. We'll come back. Sorry about the uh, the time spillover. Mike Renner went long with us, but it was worth it. Talking NFL draft. We'll be right back. Good stuff on a Monday. Good, bad, and ugly all morning long. John Robb's win at the Masters. Bill Mickelson, 65 to the finish line. Jordan Spieth, 66. That was a lot of fun. Also, I saw an article just now that uh, calling for the Minnesota Timberwolves to kick Rudy Gobert off the team. Who's slugging people <laughs> yesterday. Well, they're going into the playoffs, I, I guess. to say, that'll happen. But, you know, <laughs> they could have suspended him. But now I just saw that he sent a group text message to the team to apologize. You got to go. You're not going to apologize to your team in person for slugging people in the bench area. He's also the guy that started the COVID. Yes, he did. In, in the NBA. And at the end of last year, had to get traded off the Jazz because everyone on that team hated him. Yeah, he seems to be a problem. Seems to be a problem. That's right. I mean, they did. The, the Jazz was not. He he was not well liked there. No, I remember reading that. No. And he and uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell couldn't get along. And now Don Mitchell's in Cleveland. NBA playoffs will start uh, this weekend. Of course, you got the play-in games and tournament beginning tomorrow with a couple of games each night. So we'll be previewing those tomorrow and looking forward to it. And again, no Texas teams in the NBA playoffs. First time it's ever happened. Not a single one. Of course, the Rockets and Spurs and Mavericks have all had their runs, and the Spurs was the longest, but uh, Weird did not have any of them in. Now I can finally say, go Sacramento! <laughs> yeah, props to the Mavericks for just waving the white flag. They went full operation shutdown. We're out. We're not trying to make the playoffs. Bench everybody. And I, you know, the worst of the of the deal was a friend of mine took his kid. His kids graduating high school. It's coming up. Graduation gift. Took him up to see Luca in the final home game for the Mavs and didn't play. Didn't nobody played. Said it was like a G League game. I need my money back. No. I bet Dwight Powell played. Better, better business bureau would frown on that. Really, that is that is bait and Well, switch. I would think that. Well, I would agree with you on that. I think Mark Cuban, who apparently the organization called for the shutdown, should pay those people are back. Refunds in order. Absolutely, they they charge full freight for the game. Hey, at least you weren't you weren't at the Masters and a tree fell on you. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Monty, have a great Monday, bud. Well, I know you're traveling the rest of the week, but. Uh, Appreciate you being here. All right. Thanks for asking. I had a great time. Ty, thank you. No more Jello shots, okay? Between now and tomorrow's show at 6 a.m. If you missed any part of today's show, including Mike Renner, it's good stuff on the NFL draft. He's the lead draft analyst at Pro Football Focus. It's all on our website, hornfm.com. Light the tower next. Chad and Zay through the midday. Ball don't lie. And right into Texas baseball tonight.